0: This is the Gospel City Church Podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today.
1: Today's scripture passage is found in Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, "Where were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, Earlier this year, I uh, spoke on the topic of an almost gospel uh, in the the book of Galatians that we studied in January and in the spring. And I made this uh, point that with important things in life, almost is not good enough. And so if you were a child and you got to go to that amusement park that you've been wanting to go to, you've been standing in line for an hour, two hours, and you finally get to the point of entrance of the ride. The ride closes, the amusement park closes, and you're not able to go on. At that point, as a young boy or young girl, do you say, yeah, we almost got on. We were right there, we almost got on. Or, for certain important things in life, is almost not good enough. Let's say you're thinking about asking somebody out. You think about it, you've talked to friends about it, and you finally have the courage to ask her or ask him out. You finally approach this person, and you share a little bit, and you ask, would you be interested? Would you go out on a date with me? And the person responds, oh, just this morning, somebody asked me out. If he asked me yesterday, I would have said yes. But unfortunately, I don't want to date two people at the same time. I'm sorry. Do you leave that space thinking, oh, so close, almost got her, almost got him, and you walk away? No, you're devastated. Because you're so close because with things that are very 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 important almost just does not cut it almost getting married almost getting the job is actually the places where we are most disappointed by in this passage what we see is almost faith we would say that faith is important How important is it? It's so important that it almost is not good enough. In fact, almost could be devastating. And so what we see here in this passage is a faith that looks like faith, a faith that walks like faith, a faith that smells like faith, but it is not saving faith. If you think about that, you should be a little bit uncomfortable in your seats. Because you have to wonder, well, could that be true of me? You see, there's this danger, the dangers of almost faith. You see in here 10 lepers that have heard of Christ. One leper who has this skin disease comes back. Nine do not, one comes back. And this is the whole point of the story in verse 18. Do you see in verse 18 what Jesus says? Was no one found to return and give praises to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. And read these words with me Your faith, your faith has made you well. He doesn't say this to the other nine. He says to the one who comes back, Your faith is a different faith. Your faith has made you well. You see what we see here. There's a kind of faith that saves, and a kind of faith, an almost faith, that deceives. It looks like faith, it walks like faith, it talks like faith, but it is not faith. This is a pretty bold, I think, declaration, but I'm confident in saying it because the Bible writers spoke in the same way. James challenging people's faith. He says in 2.4, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? He calls it faith. It's some sort of faith, but it's not true saving faith. It's not just James that talks like this. John, in his gospel, talks about not faith but believing, which is the same idea. And in John he says this, John himself says, these people believe, they saw the miracle, they saw the signs, they believe, but Jesus then says more clearly, yes, they have a certain kind of faith, but not one that I will entrust myself to them. John, uh, Jesus himself, teaching about the conditions of our heart in the parable of the four soils, he says of one soil in Luke eight thirteen and the ones on the rock are 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 those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while. Do you see that? They believe for a while. When you see this, you recognize even the Bible is very comfortable to call something faith, but distinguishing that from what is true faith, saving faith. And so going back to this passage in Luke 17, let's, let's, get it, let's learn a little bit because what a, parent, what, a, what a story does, what an account does, it helps us understand how it plays out, and therefore it helps us understand what this looks like. This almost faith has a certain kind of characteristic. And so in verse 2, as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. One of the characteristics of an almost faith, an almost faith turns to God in hard times. An almost faith turns to God in hard times. What that means is that an almost-faith prays. They were praying, talking to God. That's what we call prayer. They were talking to God. God, help me. Have mercy on me. I am sick. How many people do we know who may not consider themselves of faith in desperate times pray? Because an almost-faith will turn to God in desperate times and even pray. Pray. What we see in this passage is that when, when, you're, when you're a leper, when you're found to be leprous, you see they were separated from others. So what that meant is that a husband who is found to be leprous has to now disengage, distance himself from his family. A parent would have to distance themselves from children. They were cast off from society. Uh, we would call this now, you know, social distancing. That's, that's what's happening. Because of something contagious, they socially distance. It's like they had really bad COVID, okay? And you have to distance, not just isolate yourself in a home, but you were quarantined way outside. And one of the, I guess, the blessings of the past two years, we can now understand how hard that can be. If you are isolated, quarantining, in a home for two weeks, that you go insane. Imagine your life. For them, at this moment, they were desperate. And so, because they were socially distanced, what happens in verse 2? They stood at a distance and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They call him Master. This is the word that Simon uses. When Jesus says to Simon, throw your net over the boat, And he does, saying, oh, master, after he sees to catch. It's the word used when Simon initially decides to be a disciple. When they see Jesus from afar and they say, Jesus, master. It's the first steps of discipleship. And almost faith takes the first steps of discipleship. And so Jesus then says to this ten who is standing afar, yelling, shouting at at the top of their lungs, Jesus, have have mercy on us. In verse 14, what does Jesus respond with? Go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. And almost faith obeys. James makes, makes that point. You can have faith but not have deeds. And he says, by your faith, by your, by your deeds, you show your faith. James is making a point that your faith must have action. I think here in this passage, what we see is just because you have action, does not necessarily mean that you have faith. And that's challenging in terms of hearing that and how do you respond. Because the kind of faith that they had was pretty serious. You see, for them, when Jesus tells them uh, to go to the priest, he's not saying go to the priest to be healed, because that's not what priests did. What priests did was check your skin and to see the sores, and then therefore declare you leprous or not. So the last time that they went to the priest was the beginning of the end for them. The last time they saw the priest, they saw a sore. They got worried. Does this mean I'm a leper? And so they go to the priest. The priest sees it. And hopefully with compassion says, I'm so sorry. You are a leper. Immediately take what you have with you right now. Don't go back home, but go to this part of the town. Outside the town. That's where the lepers here gather. That's the last time that they would have been to the priest. So Jesus says, while they're still leprous, go. You want to be healed? Go to the priest. While they're still leprous. Jesus could have healed them and then told them to go. He doesn't do that. You want to be healed? While you're still leprous, go to the priest. I'm sure they were confused. What? Can we go? I don't want to go see that guy again. I remember that last time. That was the beginning of the end for me. But in their obedience, while they're not healed, they go and they're healed. Do you see an almost faith has a kind of obedience that challenges you? And the whole point of this passage is that there's a faith, an an, an almost faith that's dangerous and deceptive. But there's one that comes back. There's one that comes back. Jesus doesn't touch them, but challenges them. And so, as Jesus talks about that one soil, they believed for a little while. That's probably what was happening. They believed for a little while. They went to God for just long enough. But like that soil, saw something else, distracted, and they turned their eyes. Those are some marks of some characteristics of a false faith or or a almost faith. And so now we want to finish up with the mark of true faith. So, okay, if those are the characteristics that mark a false faith, which also mark genuine faith, then is there something that's different of the true faith? And what we see here is there is something different. So in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, what does he do? And this is what's different. He turns back, praising God with a loud, with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. What we recognize is that it's not good enough to be around Jesus. It's not good enough to know his power. It's not good enough to know his teaching, because those are all things that the other nine knew. What sets this man apart? Well, we see that in the three rhetorical questions that Jesus asks. So the first one, the first rhetorical question is, we're not ten cleansed. A very simple question. He's not looking for an answer, but he asks, weren't there ten? Makes you think Jesus is saying something. He's not just commending the one, he's saying, Where are the ten? Which is then the second rhetorical question. Where are the nine? He's doing some math. There weren't there ten? Where are the nine? So it's all the more emphatic. And in the Greek, it's actually really clear because it says nine being he uh nine being healed the last word of that sentence is where it's emphatic where where are the nine that i showed grace and mercy to where are they i wonder what they did i mean this is now a pure speculation i wonder they're going to the priest they see that these sores are slowly being healed. I imagine there's joy and hope in their hearts. For some of them, maybe they're thinking, oh man, this means I can go back into society. But then what does that mean? I don't have a job. Gotta get a job. So maybe the first thing that they do is go see their old employer. Because now they're worried about life. Maybe one of them is married. They see the sores closing up, them being healed. What do they do? They go see their wife, their kids. You see, the statement that Jesus is making is that people see miracles, but they do not seek God. God is the means, the miracle is the ultimate end. In that point of desperation, we're all, we all have some faith. Isn't that what they say in war? Everyone has faith. In times of desperate, in desperate times, they are in need. They seek miracles, but they seek God. But God is the means; the miracle is the end. And then there's the third rhetorical question. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, "Rise and go on. Go your way. Your faith has made you." well literally in the creek is your faith has saved you your faith has saved you see jesus commends him for his faith but there's an indictment on the other nine the other nine had turned to god in faith when they were desperate the other nine prayed the other nine saw jesus's power what did they what did they not see They did not see Jesus. I mean, when we hear this story, there is a question that we have. How could somebody be so inwardly focused that when Jesus heals them, they don't go back to God to thank him? And for this man, it's not simply thanking God. He's praising God, recognizing there's something special with Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Is it that you pray, you read the Bible, that in desperate times that you go to God even more? What does it mean to be a Christian? I had a, a meeting uh, with a church member this week, and he shared this fascinating story. So he and his friend, his church member and his friend, are on a trip together, and the place that they're at, there's an adjoining uh, bathroom. And so uh, this church member looks at their setup and recognizes it's, it's really the same, right? Similar kind of, you know, toiletries, right? Everything's the, everything's the same, but they both have also one book, and the church member has a Christian book. And the, the friend has a new age type book. He thought, oh, this is interesting. So it would be an opportunity to share about his faith. So he does. He shares about his faith. He shares about what his life looked like before coming to faith. Talks about how before Christ, he really struggled with drinking and smoking and hooking up. And that was his life. So, as he tells his friend this, he says to his friend, And when I met Jesus, everything changed. I don't struggle with drinking anymore. I don't struggle with smoking anymore. I'm married or will be married. I forget when, when the story was. But he, he is now living a different life, thinking that this testimony of his changed life would be what the other person would be drawn to. And then that other friend, who's clearly unbelieving, having a New Age book, I think a Buddhist book, responds to him, that's awesome! Me too! Ever since I started to learn about this religion and giving my life to it, I stopped drinking, and I stopped smoking. I'm able to control my desires. And he responds with, oh, okay... And it made him think, what is Christianity? What is Christianity? Is the gospel a self-help tool? Is the gospel something that you believe in so that your life would be better? And you would get all these gifts, you would get all these miracles. Clearly in this story in Luke, the other nine are healed. They have the kind of faith, even when they aren't healed, they still go to the priest, who's not going to do the healing, but they're going to do the checking. So it's on there where they have some kind of faith that leads them to obedience. And what you recognize is Christianity is not a self-help religion. It is not give yourself to God and now all these things will come and, 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 and be put into line. Then what is Christianity? What does it mean to be a Christian? I mentioned to you before, people seek miracles, but they do not seek God. God is the means, the miracle is the end. So what does it mean to be a believer? You see, for the believer, you may have gone to God for a miracle. But the miracle was the means, and God became your end. And Isn't that how you often see your life story? It was something tragic and horrible. You needed to get that figured out. And so maybe it was that time. You haven't really prayed, but you decide to pray. And maybe God does do that miracle. He answers that prayer. But unlike the other nine, you recognize who the one is. The one who answers prayers. The one who is powerful. And that's what happened for this one. He goes back to Jesus and thanks him. The miracle was the means, but God became your end. You see, some people are grateful because they are brought out of their trouble. Believers are grateful because their troubles lead them to Jesus. And that's your testimony. And that was a testimony of this church member, thinking about it. It's the gospel. He forgave me of my sin. Now I have a relationship with him, and that is different than all other religions. I said this a while back, but in one sense, if you wonder, do you have this kind of faith? One commentator talks about Jesus in this way. If Jesus is not first, he is nothing. If Jesus is not first, he is nothing. If he's your second or third option, your second or third love, I'm sure the other nine were grateful. But there's a kind of faith where you come back and there's important things to do, but you have to thank God. God, you are God. You are gracious. You healed me. All glory to you. And I wonder The testimonies that came from the nine. One leper, I imagine, would have gone home to his family that he loved so much. And going home to see his wife, maybe the wife's like, what are you doing? Do not step a foot into this door. You're not getting our kids to be leprous. I imagine him showing, you know, his wounds. I've been healed. And I remember I could imagine him telling the story oh, we heard about this man, Jesus. He's coming to town. We've heard that he's some sort of prophet. He's got powers to heal. And so there's these eight, nine other buddies of mine. We've kind of become, became this this band of brothers. And so when we heard that Jesus was coming, we made sure that he would hear us. So when we saw him from afar, we got together and, and, and shouted as loud as we could, Jesus, 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 have mercy on us. And he heard us. He looked over. He didn't come closer for some reason. But he said, go to the priest. And so that's what I did. I didn't know what was going to happen. I remember the last time I saw him, it was the beginning of the end. But I had some kind of faith. I trusted in this man. And look, honey, I'm healed. And now we, we can live the life we've always wanted. We can buy that house. That's what I imagine for the other nine. For the one. Let's see, he also has a family. He goes back home. The wife's like, whoa, 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 don't come in. Aren't you leprous? Honey, I've been healed. Look. How'd you get healed? Oh, there's, well, there's these nine other guys. Kind of became this band of brothers. We heard about this man, Jesus, coming in. We got together. We shouted as loud as we could. As soon as we saw him, we told him, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he did. He saw us told us to go to see the priest. Started to go. See, thinking, okay, I remember the last time. When I go in faith, I saw these wounds disappearing, becoming healed. I imagine him saying, who is this man? Who is he? I've heard about him. Is he the Messiah? Was he the one that God was going to send? Is it God that has come down? Oh, I wanted to see you so badly. But I went back. And I thanked him. For his mercy upon my life. But as I was thanking him, he said he was headed towards Jerusalem. You see what's happening in Jerusalem? Since Luke 9... In Luke 9, he says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was on a mission. What does he do in Jerusalem? It was where he was going to be taken up, to be put on the cross to give his life. And So Jesus told me, I need to move on to Jerusalem. Honey, What's happening in Jerusalem? Did Jesus say something? No, I don't know. But I'm sure we'll hear. I'm sure we'll hear of what he does in Jerusalem. What does he do in Jerusalem? He goes to the cross. He was on a mission. He gives up his life. He lived a life we couldn't live. He dies the death that we should have died. He has mercy upon us. I'm sure he heard the news. And I'm sure this man said, Oh, that's why. That's why he told me that my faith saved me. Not that my faith healed me, my faith saved me. Because this Jesus talked about sins before an holy God. If he's a holy God, a just God, he cannot overlook sin. Just like a just judge cannot overlook the sins of a pedophile. It must be acted on. So God being just has to judge, but God being gracious, loving, his people provides a way. If you have faith in Christ, you recognize that Jesus, he does something for you. When you cried out in that desperate time, you recognize he heard you. And yes, you're happy that he delivered you. Maybe you've been and seen that miracle. But even if you don't in this time where God doesn't answer that prayer for a miracle, you still go back to God. Why? Because the miracles are all secondary. The great miracle is that God provided a way. So you still go back to him. And you say, thank you, Jesus. You had mercy on me. You gave up your life. That is enough. What's the difference between almost faith and a true saving faith? You have a love and a devotion for God. No circumstance can ever change because now you have seen him for who he is. He is God became man that loved you and died for you. All glory to him. Let's pray.
1: If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel centered church in Seoul,
0: South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean speaking, healthy, gospel centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.